Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Conflicting signals have been coming out of Vienna over the last couple of weeks, leading to the conclusion that a year into the administration of Joe Biden, who declared his intention to undo his predecessor's decision to withdraw from the 2015 nuclear deal, the engaging parties have declaratively proclaimed that progress had been made, while acknowledging also, in tandem, that wide-ranging gaps remain on key issues. Separately, here in Israel, the intelligence community has been in disagreement on Jerusalem's course of action forward, even though the presiding assessment projects a foreseeable revival of the 2015 agreement with Iran tainted with Western compromise. To analyze the progress of Iran's nuclear talks at a time of rising tensions throughout this region, we're joined from central Israel by Colonel Retired Dr. Iran Lerman, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers in Play co-panelist, VP of the Jerusalem Institute of Strategy and Security and Editor-in-Chief of the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kupelwasser, who is the Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us as well, General. Thank you. My pleasure. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of TV7 Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the current situation in Vienna, as well as in the various capitals uh, from where the negotiating teams are coming from. At a time also when here in the region we see an increase of attacks uh, by presumably, and in most cases also uh, knowing, uh, knowingly, Iranian militias directed by Tehran, not sure if it's yet to be uh, in link to the situation in Vienna or other reasons behind the scenes. So even though in Tehran um, uh, there is uh, probably one single locus of decision-making uh, going all the way up to the supreme leader and uh, going down mostly to the um, uh, IRGC. Nevertheless, uh, there is um, an artificial effort to separate the two files, the so-called malignant activities of Iran, which, uh, of course, uh, then generate um, reactions, including attacks, and the nuclear file. So these uh, rising tensions, uh, which uh, you have referred to, are... Uh, seemingly uh, apart from what is happening in Vienna. And in Vienna, um, with the turn of the year, um, inexplicably, miraculously, one may say if one is uh, on the side of the angels, pessimism has turned into optimism. All of a sudden, the reports which uh, up to late December uh, have uh, uh, usually expressed pessimism now turned into uh, various uh, uh, pronouncements that uh, an agreement um, is is near, that there is no deadline. The American uh, spokespeople, for instance, uh, say that, yes, there is a deadline, but it is not measured in days 
or in the calendar in general, but in uh, whatever the uh, Iranians enrich. So that can go on and on. But nevertheless, obviously, the political clock is ticking, especially for Joe Biden going into the midterm elections. So it does seem as if there is political will on both sides to come up with some sort of formula. Indeed. And we have two guests who have, of course, uh, uh, been privy to the previous round of, of talks uh, uh, prior to the 2015 nuclear agreement. And I'd like to take this opportunity, of course, to ask also General Kupil-Vassil, how do you currently see the state of play uh, taking place in Vienna, as well as in Washington, the European capitals, as well as in China. Uh, do you see here a significant shift at this stage with regard to the willingness to revive the 2015 nuclear agreement uh, at a time when it seems to be quite detached from reality as to the states in Iran with regard to its nuclear program, as well as vis-a-vis -vis the various activities throughout this region? Well, I think that uh, basically both sides are interested in going back to the 2015 uh, deal. And uh, the plan B of each side is uh, a little bit problematic for them. And they would rather go back to the 2015 deal, which is, from an Israeli point of view, very dangerous. That's that's where we stand. There's a, the, the ongoing disagreement about how exactly this coming back to the, the deal uh, would look like. And uh, the Iranians insist, still insist, that uh, the Americans will give them some guarantee that future uh, administrations will not be able to leave the deal uh, until it comes to its uh, end in uh, 2031. And that's very difficult for the Americans to provide. So this is still something that uh, separates the two sides, in my, in my understanding. But basically, if they manage to overcome this, uh, this disagreement, uh, they would rather go back to the 2015 deal. The Iranians have a plan B that says, okay, while we don't go there, we can make progress towards having the capability to produce a nuclear weapon or a small amount of nuclear weapons uh, by enriching and accumulating 60% and 20% enriched uranium so that when we decide to uh, uh, leap forward towards having a bomb, we shall not need too much time. And I'm sure that they are working on that and on the weaponization of uh, the fissile material uh, day in, day out. But uh, still, this is a very dangerous uh, alternative. And the alternative of going back to the deal is much better, for, even from the Iranian point of view. So that's why I think everybody is uh, aware that uh, since the alternative, the alternative of the Americans is to go to uh, what they call Plan B, which is putting more pressure on the Iranians and maybe ending up with the need to, produce, to present a, a credible military option this is something that the administration doesn't want to, to get to. So it's, uh, again, from their point of view, the plan B is more dangerous than, than plan A. So this is why you hear all those uh, messages that uh, there is progress, there is reason to be optimistic and optimistic and so on and so forth, which uh, present uh, or manifest the, the, the interest of both sides in going actually uh, eventually back to the agreement, which by itself is something impossible but there's, because there's no way to go back to that agreement because most of the horses have already left the stable. So it's uh, it's uh, the Iranians already know how to produce uh, met, uh, uranium metal. They know how to produce 60% uh, enriched uh, uranium. They know how to operate uh, advanced centrifuges like the IR6 and IR4 and IR24, maybe even uh, more advanced uh, types like the IR9. Uh, so we are in a, in a situation that is uh, very difficult 
for all sides, but still, even though it is impossible to go back to the deal, they are trying to get back to the deal, and this is very dangerous for, from an Israeli point of view, as uh, Prime Minister Bennett just uh, said uh, recently. Indeed. Dr. Leoman, your take on this? Well, um, first of all, it seems as if there may be, or at least according to some rumors and reports, uh, a way around this question of uh, of the um, guarantees that Iran has been demanding. And, and Yossi is absolutely right. This, this is a non-deliverable. Um, no American administration can commit to something that uh, uh, requires a ratification process in the Senate. The uh, as I keep saying, the likelihood of uh, uh, one third of the Senate Republicans going over to Democratic, the Democratic side to support a deal with Iran is uh, lower than zero. Uh, but there may be a way around it. And here we come to a very interesting aspect that we have not often focused on. Uh, we keep talking about the Europeans, but probably the most important player at this stage are the Russians. They can provide the Iranians with a, uh, uh, an alternative uh, to the American guarantees. If they are the ones who will be holding the uh, Iranian stockpile uh, with a promise to return it if the United States walks out of uh, uh, in the future. Uh, or something of that sort. If the Iranians trust the Russians to actually give them back um, nearly weapon-grade uh, enriched uranium, um, they may be uh, 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 sort of underestimating uh, the uh, uh, ability of Putin to uh, play games down the road. But right now, the Russians are the only ones who can speak to the Iranians in a very blunt way, tell them what the risks are that they are running if there is no uh, uh, compromise on this last, uh, this final point of Iranian insistence, and also uh, convey to them indirectly the uh, um, growing American impatience. There were signs of American impatience. There were indications even of a willingness to at least contemplate a credible military threat in some American quarters. Uh, there was uh, a conversation with uh, Defense Minister Gantz uh, on, uh, uh, over this uh, specific question. There were grumblings coming out of Washington telling the Iranians that the, the, the time for arrogant uh, power plays is over. Uh, so this may be behind uh, the new spirit, so to speak, of compromise that is now uh, emanating from Vienna. Indeed. Mr. Oren, on the sidelines of the, the uh, G7 meetings, we heard the, the UK Foreign Secretary, we heard also the uh, German Foreign Minister, the new one uh, next to Antony Blinken in uh, Washington, speak about the same thing, as well as Jean-Yves Le Drian earlier this week, uh, the Foreign Minister of France, uh, all saying time is running out. However, the Americans have stated time and again that uh, the deadline in Vienna uh, is not about a calendar, but rather about the quantities that Iran is enriching, granting Iran actually the ability to uh, decide, okay, when are we going to cross that point and whether we're willing to play that game with, with the West. How do you see the current reality at play with, on the one hand, there is no political will for Plan B, as General Kupilvesel stated, and that is quite obvious. But at the same time, Plan A, with the quantities of uh, know-how, 
put aside the the enriched uranium, but the know-how, it, it truly challenges the capacity of this joint comprehensive plan of action from actually providing the second word comprehensive uh, any meaning at all. So let me first join Iran uh, regarding the Russians. Uh, this would be uh, a second act. Uh, a decade ago, uh, we had the TRR, um, the the uh, Russian, the Tehran um, research reactor, uh, mm-hmm. the proposal that uh, its uh, uh, output would be uh, uh, in Russia. And uh, this is a revival of, of the same proposal, and it has uh, merit. But let me now pose an alternative view. We are trying to describe the linear movements um, in and around Vienna. But there is also another possibility. In wargaming and in simulations, when you don't have enough time, and our two uh, co-panelists have uh, participated in those, you try to um, uh, have in two or three days or less than a week events which usually take weeks and months. You could have had an agreement in Vienna uh, very early on. But one does not propose marriage on the first date, especially if one is the divorced partner of the other one. So you must have courtship. You must have these months go on and on, especially for your domestic audiences. The Iranians must show their own population and their own elites, that they have tried very hard. They made outsized efforts, and what they have gotten will give them a victory picture. Yes, we have won over the Americans. Uh, Compliance uh, will start with sanctions removal, and only the next day we will go back to the deal or something like that. So... My sense, and of course, um, I may be proven wrong, is that the deal is already in the box and one is now only trying to market it uh, as splendidly as possible. A charade, General Kupilvastov, is this what uh, we may look at at this stage in Vienna? Yes, in general, because the uh, interest of the Iranians and the Americans is to reach a deal. And uh, that's uh, one of the reasons why they want to reach a deal, the Iranians, is that the sanctions are, uh, even though this economic situation has improved somewhat, uh, the situation in, in Iran is still uh, very dire. There are uh, uh, demonstrations all over Iran. started in Isfahan, it's now spread uh, to other areas of, uh, of the country. And uh, they understand that they wouldn't like to have the sanctions uh, going on for a long time. And that's why uh, time is of the essence for the Iranians as well, not only for, for the Americans. And, uh, and for the Americans, because of obvious reasons, it's also important to, to reach a deal soon. So I think that uh, we shall eventually see them nearing a deal and uh, trying uh, to take advantage of the support of uh, other countries like Russia, as uh, Iran mentioned, that, uh, one of the ideas that's on the table, uh, that uh, Russia will take the extra material and... Uh, will give it back to Iran if something goes wrong. Uh, I, I'm afraid, yes, they are uh, nearing an agreement, 
and uh, we should be worried. Uh, we are uh, we have a small screen coming from the, from the United States uh, towards Israel, telling us uh, don't worry. Uh, we are uh, coordinating with you. We are uh, thinking about Plan B and so on and so forth. From from my point of view, I think this is small screen. It's it's not the, it's not the truth. What's happening behind this uh, screen? is uh, closing the gaps between the United States and Iran and getting closer to having a deal. You know, Plan B here sounds like a person who goes to the bank and asks for a million dollar loan, is refused and then says, okay, I have a Plan B. How about a two million dollar loan? Dr. Lerman? Uh, it is my understanding that uh, People in Washington are still not convinced that there will be uh, a deal at the end. Uh, the Iranian internal dynamics are very complicated, but I see um, plays to the galleries, as, as uh, General Kovavasa said. Um, he has a, um, a leader over looking uh, behind his shoulder uh, who has a very deep, profound suspicion of the Americans. So things may still fall apart. Uh, I, to the best of my understanding, the plan B perception in Washington is uh, indeed uh, not a military option, although that may lurk in the deep background, but uh, a, a tightening of sanctions on the assumption uh, that indeed the situation in Iran is so dire that the, uh, this will finally uh, shake the regime out of its uh, uh, arrogant attitude. It may have done so already, we are not entirely sure, uh, but uh, this is how I, I understand people at high places in Washington now think. Um, there needs to be a plan B, it's in, in, the Iranians must be made aware of it, but it is essentially a tightening, a severe tightening of the sanctions rather than a military option at this stage. Israel, on the other hand, has to retain its military option because um, otherwise, everyone else goes back into complacency. And this is false to us to make sure that this doesn't happen. Indeed. Mr. Oren, to what degree is this deal, if it ever is revived, going to be, quote, lengthened and strengthened and used as a foundation to do so, uh, as the Biden administration claimed to insist on uh, from the get-go and, and suddenly started to omit those sentences from uh, the public briefings on a regular basis? Well, lengthened uh, depends on whether you go back to uh, counting from 2016 on, because the deal went into the effect uh, the year after it was uh, signed or, or achieved, there was no official uh, signatory uh, ceremony. But uh, if you start then and the sunset clauses uh, click in around 2030, that's one thing. If you restart it from now, uh, then perhaps you have uh, the same time uh, after 2030, but as was pointed out, uh, already from 2018 on, the Iranians have managed to do what they were supposed to do only later um, uh, in this uh, decade. So lengthening uh, isn't really effective. And as for strengthening, at most it will not be weakening. We will not see 
anything uh, which is tighter, um, uh, perhaps uh, uh, via verification, we may see something, but not um, better controls over Iranian behavior. So this was just for public opinion or to try and uh, show a staunch approach towards the negotiations well, with Iran? Well, maybe they believed uh, initially that uh, their bargaining position is uh, stronger and they faced reality. Uh, you start with some uh, positions and uh, you have fallbacks or else um, you um, get off the table and uh, say game over. Indeed. General Kupelwasser, I'd like to ask you also about uh, the escalating tensions, uh, primarily in Iraq and Syria, but we see that also in uh, Yemen, directed at Saudi Arabia, as well as in Lebanon, attempts to uh, somewhat uh, test the Israeli defenses on the north. Uh, to what degree do you see this uh, connected between the ongoing negotiations in Vienna and uh, the world powers of the P5 plus one? Or is this some, uh, simply a reaction or a retaliation, uh, which is going to be an annual recurrence uh, to the uh, targeted assassination of Qasem Soleimani, the former uh, slain leader of the Quds Force of the RGC? Well, the timing may be connected to uh, the anniversary of uh, Soleimani's uh, 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 taking care of Soleimani, yes, but uh, the, uh, the context is much wider than that, of course. Uh, it's, it's a way of uh, signaling to the Americans and to the Israelis that there is a heavy price to pay if anybody uh, really plays with Plan B that includes uh, putting more pressure on Iran and especially taking uh, some military action against against Iran. This is the, the, the message delivered by these activities. And the Iran has been doing that for uh, all, all the time. I mean, uh, this is not the first time. We remember the attacks in the sea. We remember uh, many, many other uh, attempts uh, against uh, to, to hit uh, Israeli and uh, American targets. This is not, nothing new about that. This is a way that the, in which the Iranians are exerting power and pressure over the Americans, especially, and uh, to some lesser extent on Israel. But I, I want to say a word about uh, the Plan B that was mentioned here. I think one thing that the Americans can do, uh, referring to the putting more pressure on Iran, is if worse come to worse, and everybody understands that the agreement is not going to be revived, they can try to uh, convince uh, France or Britain to use the snapback, because the Americans cannot use the snapback uh, option anymore after they left the agreement, but uh, left the plan. But uh, France and the, the United Kingdom still can do that. And uh, this is something that uh, is uh, hovering over the Iranians, because if the sanctions are not going to be only American sanctions, but also European sanctions, this is going to have a very uh, uh, negative impact on the situation in Iran for the regime, for IC and, uh, and for Khamenei. And uh, so that is something that is uh, important to, uh, to keep in mind when we uh, look at uh, the situation, if there is a deterioration, if there is an understanding that there is no way to reach an agreement. Dr. Lehmann? True enough. The, you, uh, one of the key arguments uh, of the Biden administration coming into the negotiations was that uh, Trump destroyed the base of, uh, of understanding and cooperation uh, with America's allies uh, on a much broader range of issues, not only on Iran, but also on Iran. And therefore, uh, the, the benefit of at least trying to negotiate effectively with uh, Raisi uh, is uh, that 
should all of this uh, come to naught, should the Iranian position prove to be still arrogant and, and, and obstinate, then the U.S. can uh, move forward in conjunction uh, with its traditional allies. Um, and, and in that case, the assumption is that the Russians will be reluctant to add to an already tense uh, confrontation on other fronts, and the Chinese would be uh, have, have other fish to fry than defending the Iranians, and, and the pressure on Iran would, uh, would grow exponentially. That is, I think, uh, the way in which, uh, uh, let's say, the White House, uh, I don't know, I, I can't vouch for uh, Rob Malley. Uh, or what he thinks uh, the negotiations should, uh, how the negotiations should be conducted. But uh, at the highest level of analysis, uh, uh, Biden and, and people around him do not think of Iran as a friend. They look at it as an adversary, as, as an active uh, enemy of American interests. That doesn't say that they are seeking a confrontation, but they are not naive about Iranian intentions, and they do want to have a, a, a viable and, and, and robust plan B, as long as it does not commit them to another war in the region. We're drawing near to the end of the program. There are about two minutes left, and uh, I'd like to hear Mr. Oren, Rob Malley, Jake Sullivan, two key factors within this uh, discussions have been part of track two diplomacy versus Iran uh, back in 2014, prior to that, also uh, leading up to the, to the nuclear agreement. Uh, but when it came out, of course, they traveled to uh, Muscat uh, somewhere. Uh, the, the Iranian foreign minister just visited. Uh, is track two also being played out behind the scenes at this stage? Uh, there are certain indications about it, but can we be for certain? Well, there's a smell, but there's no sound. So uh, it's a conjecture because the third uh, and more important member of the party, which you mentioned, was Bill Burns, who is now um, at CIA, and uh, this should be um, his very role. And uh, one um, may uh, look at the uh, various statements made by three senior Israelis over uh, recent weeks. One was Prime Minister Bennett, who was uh, mentioned here earlier. The other was his national security advisor, Eyal Khulata. And the third one was the director of military intelligence, Major General Aaron Khaliva, who is in charge of assessment in the Israeli system. They all seem braced for an agreement. And they probably know more than the public or perhaps even some of the governments involved. So apparently this is the state of power. However, Barnea, the head of the Mossad, disagrees with uh, the head of military intelligence, and we see the conflicting uh, discussions behind the scenes on this specifically. Well, well, our two guests here came from military intelligence. They would tell you that their expertise is still better than the other agencies in the establishment. Indeed. Well, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today, and uh, we won't uh, be able to dispute this uh, remark uh, until the next program. But I'd like to thank General Kupelwasser, Dr. Lehrman, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.